Hi there, I'm Timmy Murphy and welcome to my podcast, This Man's World. This is a podcast series where I talk to all different men from different walks of life. On this series, you'll hear different stories from different men and what it's like being a modern man in a modern day world. Welcome to This Man's World. Hello, and this week's guest is Patrick Murphy, otherwise known as Pat Murphy. He's a proud Ennis man. He's a sportsman down through the years who's represented Ennis and Clare in boxing, soccer, golf, to name but a few. And he's also my, most importantly, he's also my father. Um, how are you today? I'm sure I'm not too bad. Good. Well, very welcome um, to the podcast. I've wanted to, I've wanted to have my father on the podcast um, kind of, well, since since the start really because the, as you all know the first episode was my life story and I felt to end um, series one of the podcast I wanted to have my dad on for the last episode because it feels like things will come full circle so people will have my idea you know they'll have my story and then they'll have your story and stuff they'll be able yeah. to kind of connect the two um, and then obviously we've had I've had some amazing guys in between that amazing episodes and fantastic interviews with 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 um all different types of guys from different walks of life. So I like that it's ended here with my father. Um, so I suppose, Dad, if we want to kind of start back at the early days, um, like I said, you are an Ennis man, and it was the 50s, so you were born in... I was born in 1950, 27th of July 1950. Uh, I don't know if this is going to be an amazing interview, but anyway, sure, look at I'm an ordinary person, and... I tell my ordinary life story up to this point, anyway. Yeah, well, a lot of people in town know you as well. I think, I think you're kind of you're yeah. townie, like. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe more infamous than famous, but anyway. Yeah. That's for somebody else to judge. And it was it was Hermitage you grew up in, was it? Yeah. No, I was I was born uh, when I was born. My mother and father were living in Drumbiddle. My father was an ambulance driver. Uh, my mother ran a, a small sweet shop in Drumbiddle. Um, when I was seven, we moved to Hermitage, to 66 Hermitage. Mm-hmm. Um, Liam, I, I'm, I'm the eldest of a family of six. Liam is next to me, and Marie. So Liam, Marie and myself were, were in Drumbiddle. Marie was a baby when we moved to Hermitage. And then when we moved to Hermitage over the following years, John, Ellen, and Deirdre were born. John was the only one of us that was born at home. John uh, is another yeah, infamous yeah. character as well. Around yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, 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 yeah. But he is... Uh, so we're well known, but then again, a lot of the families in, in, in Hamilton in particular, and, and other areas like St. Michael's, mm. um, Steel's Towers, um, Lifford area, you know, families are very close and, and I'm from a very close family but we're, we're still very close after a lot of decades yeah. uh, being around one another so um, so yeah at seven we, we moved to Hermitage um, and I attended the CBS uh, the Brothers School over in uh, the New Road mm-hmm. started my primary primary school there and how were you as a kid? What what was the young Patrick like? Or young Pat like? I'd say I probably 
a bit wild. Uh, not in a bad way, but a bit, a bit wild, boisterous. Yeah. Uh, very much into sports. Um, had a lot of um, schoolboy friends and, and, and friends from around Hamilton. We met we met our own we met our own kind of lifestyle in in that we were you know like, like you you read in some books from, from people around the the forties and fifties we were at summer time we were out the door and we were back yeah. in the door until the evening time. So we'd when I was young I was caddy above in the in, in, in the golf links and get a few more for caddying. Give most of that to my mother, and she gave me the price of the pictures. We used to also go around the golf club looking for golf balls, mm. uh, because we'd get we'd be able to sell a half dozen balls back to the golfers or whatever. Um, but old playing, uh, you know where where we are now. Yeah. Where this house is built now. There was a, a field called the Four Acre, and that's where we played our, our football and and hurling, uh, and soccer. So there was no, that was probably all field. This was just field, yeah. Uh, I think it might have been Neyland's field, but I, I could be wrong about that. Um, but we all kind of gravitated towards uh, this place and, you know, from kind of, I don't know, 11 or 12 o'clock in the morning until yeah. sometime in the evening. I had played matches that went on uh, for hours and hours. Um, and of course then... Uh, one of the big highlights of, of our lives then when we were young was uh, going to the Gaty Cinema to Mary Case as it was called mm. you know uh, six minutes to get in um, to watch cowboy films and uh, all those innocent films uh, and would you have would you say that it was like a quite a simple life it was simple enough because uh, nobody no family had had, had, had uh, too much money uh, we were all poor, but not dirt poor. Mm. Um, so there was there was no such thing as trying to keep up with the Joneses because uh, yeah. we were all the Joneses. Um, you know, it's a trauma remark to say that you know you could the front door and the back door of the houses were left unlocked, but that's the truth. You know, mm. there was no there was no kind of a, there was no real uh, robberies or. Anything like that, safe. It, you know, yeah, very safe, very safe. So you must, you, know? you must, you must see a, a, a huge difference with. I see the generation difference. now yeah. compared to the fifties. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's a huge difference. But then, life has moved on in, in, in different ways for lots of different uh, for lots of people. Mm. And um, you know, when I said that we 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 left the front door and the back door open, there was nothing to rob in the house anyway. Yeah, house, exactly. People, people just didn't have. Uh, a lot of material things, you know. Yeah. Um, I mean, we would play with a football that was made of paper that was wrapped, mm. um, and obviously the paper would get wet uh, after a while, or the ball would get wet after a while, and we just have to make up another football or hurling ball, as the case may be. Mm. We didn't even have our own hurlies. We had things called spocks, which were bits of timber that were kind of shaped like a hurley. So, and like we had uh, the highlight of uh, one of the highlights uh, of every year were the skates down the hill in Hermitage. Yeah. So, so up, where, up where the diamond factory, well, uh, the top bouldering as we called it, we'd start there with uh, the hobnail boots and skate down the hill down to where Moroni's shop is, Gail's Moroni's shop. Um, 
and devil devil big uh, things in our lives st stuff like that uh, New Year's Eve I'm just thinking of thinking now as, as I'm talking at New Year's Eve we had um, to, to bring in the New Year to celebrate the New Year over by the steps we had a, a band the Boyles uh, the Cronins uh, Clem Brown of names I can remember that played and we walked followed them around the town to bring in the New Year mm -hmm. so there was a lot of innocence yeah and um, uh, and I have a lot of cherished memories uh, from those times. I actually, quite recently, about a month ago, on one of the frosty nights, I, I decided to uh, walk. I parked the car over um, at St. Joseph's and I headed up towards the circular road up here. Uh, but before I did, I, I took a, a left there at the, at the grotto. Mm -hmm. And I went into the bottom uh, bullring which we call, we call the calf ring and just walked around it's very quiet there's hardly no, no, no people around and walked around Hamilton basically and a lot of a lot of my thoughts uh, came back to you know people that lived there people that are yeah. uh, now dead and buried people that are gone to all corners of the world that are still alive and most of those memories I had that night were, were, were happy memories mm. Uh, tinged with a bit of sadness um, but so yeah I had a very happy simple childhood um, and you needed to mind yourself in a, in, in a different way that's not a contradiction to what I'm after saying but you needed to be able to take care of yourself you know because there'd be a few fisticuffs here and there but again yeah, exactly. nothing, nothing simple or nothing nothing complicated you know it's funny when you say walking on terms because I walk through Hermitage every like nearly every single evening yeah. but like it's I'm walking down the hill that you would have been yeah. playing on I, yeah, I don't realise yeah. you know I, I'd walk past so like for people that don't know where Hermitage is it's it's in the town centre of Venice it's maybe five minute walk into the centre but it's very close to where I live here but I like I, I walk through those those streets and roadways every day but yeah. I'd never you know I'd never click in my head God, dad, dad could have been running down this hill behind me you know 50 years ago you know next time I walk down Hermitage now I'll probably be more aware as to you know yeah, the past well, and, and history the other, and stuff. the other place that, that was a big part of our lives growing up was uh, where the garden centre was there now yeah. where, where the old diamond factory yeah. was and that was our field of dreams because that's where we learned really as we got a little bit older maybe 11, 12, 13 where, where we learned the skills of soccer yeah. hurling and football and there was a match on there every day and often three or four different matches played among ourselves mm. and then we take on uh, the town lads or, or um, uh, people over in Boreen St Michael's that kind of thing so we it was a very active yeah. uh, life you know um, there was not just there was no talk that time of fitness levels or, no. or uh, no. anything like that but we were, we were naturally fit mm-hmm and then you so you kind of went into the swing in sixties then into the sixties and well I suppose and seventies and you kind of grew into a young man. How did yeah, you find? Yeah, well, in my teens, my early teens, I joined the boxing club, and uh, I spent maybe four or five years uh, at boxing. I was fortunate, um, well, I was good enough maybe without sounding a bit too uppity uh, to win three uh, clear clear uh, titles and two monster titles and I got to a, a national final in 
1965, I think. Mm. I was beaten in the final in the National Stadium. Uh, and I was well beaten in the final. I won the semi-final well, but uh, I was well beaten in the final by a guy from Belfast. So then, um, at around 16, I started playing soccer. My first time playing Jomo soccer, which is men's men soccer. Um, was that with Liffers? No, no, it was with Hamilton. Uh, even though I spent most of my soccer career with Liffers, but um, I played for Hamilton uh, at 16 years of age. Um, and I would have been playing against um, older guys. Uh, I remember my first match was against Shannon Town, and I got kicked around the place. Yeah. And um, is that because you were you were younger than them? So I was younger, yeah, and and later I suppose physically yeah. later, and. Um, so it was around 16, I stopped boxing at 17 because I'd, I'd have had to go into the Jonah Grayland boxing, which would mean uh, guys from 17 to any age. So I wouldn't have been strong enough for that. Um, and then, you know, progressed and started going to dances yeah. and hops and things like that. Uh, the dances were mainly in Pelicans, which is the new hall uh, down by where, where Madden's furniture oh is that where they were that, that's, that's what it was and that opened up a whole uh, different uh, worlds oh a whole different world where you had you know you're all the top show events coming coming to, to uh, Pelicans that time you know like the Royal um, the Capital the Drifters you know just just brilliant music and, and the excitement of going to we'd get there on a Friday night and it was a half a crown to get in and uh, the excitement of thinking, you know, that you, you were going to listen to music and maybe meet girls mm. uh, and all that. And um, we'd have enough money to go in there on a Friday. And I had started working. I had I got, I left school early. Uh, I did the primary years. I did one year in the secondary school. Um, and then I, I did one year in the tech. So I left school, I think, at about 15. Um Got a job in the diamond factory. Um, that was in Shannon, wasn't it? No, no. no the, this was where the diamond, where the, where the garden centre is now. Oh yeah. Uh, Harry Winston Diamonds. Uh, who? who are, um, Harry Winston is a famous uh, diamond uh, polisher. Yeah. Uh, in in New York and whatever he's a he's a Jew. And uh, so I started there and gave up most of my wages at home um, because it was needed. Mm. And then. And the Friday nights, um, I think I started drinking about 16 and a half, or thereabouts, two pints. Um, and we got to the dance then and chat up the women. And was, was, it, was it like what they say it was, that men were on one side and women were at the oh, other? Oh, yeah, yeah. It was. Without yeah. a doubt, yeah. Still in the 60s, 60s 70s. Yeah. Uh, a lot of funny stories talked about dances like that and, <laughs> and the men going across the floor to the women they'd, they'd probably be three abreast uh, on the left hand side as you, you'll go in uh, there'd be lines of three or four maybe and if you picked out the best looking one and she refused you you, you know course, people would send to say well I wasn't talking to you I was talking yeah. to the one behind you, <laughs> you know, so there was a lot of ah look it was it was very innocent even then yeah. and uh, very very funny and uh, again, very, very uh, happy memories of, of of that. And would would so if you because you're the oldest of six, so when you were going to the hops and the discos, was 
say Liam going and John going or I suppose well, no, John, John Ellen and Deirdre um, there's a difference uh, I was 17 July last July and John is uh, 60 this coming October I think I've got that right yeah. so Liam, Liam is a little over two years behind me mm. Marie is five so it would be it would be Liam who used to rob my shirts and ties yeah um, uh, would have been go would have been gone maybe a year or two after me, and then Marie would have been gone, probably four or five years after that again. So John Ellen and Deirdre, there's a there's a gap, you know, there's a significant gap. There oh yeah, so they would have been had, too young. We had done a lot of all growing up when when when, when they were kind of yeah stopped yeah, and the style then you had did, didn't you? Oh, have, the you've, style. You've hair, you'd hair to your shoulders, and I'd hair to my shoulders. And bell bottoms yeah. and all that business. Bell bottoms, yeah, um, fancy shorts. Um, cravats yeah I suppose looking back it, 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 very retro not to be seen as but uh, vintage looking back well vintage or retro uh, <laughs> but um, like we didn't we didn't have a lot of money obviously you know um, my mother opened up a book below on Armstrong's for clothes for myself and Liam mm. and I presume for other things and that, that was a common thing that, that people would go into a shop whether it was McInerney's coal shop or a clothes shop or whatever, and they'd open up a book and that would maybe say buy items for, I don't know, five pounds and pay 10 shillings a week off for whatever. Oh, I yeah. I don't remember the exact figures now. So if we wanted, you know, if there was a nice jumper or a nice pencil or something, we'd, have, we'd be begging for it yeah. uh, for a while and my mother would bring the two of us down and get fitted out and that kind of thing. That's the way people survived that time. Yeah. The, you know, my father, as I said earlier, he, was, he, he worked as an ambulance driver. Somewhere along the line, that stopped, and he was working in the buildings. He was a ganger in the buildings. So, you know, the people who were working in buildings that time wouldn't be paid if it rained. They wouldn't, they'd be paid a kind of a wet time mm. um, amount, but it wouldn't be the same as dry time. So money was tight. Money was tight. I did messenger by in different places for the cash company I was a messenger by. Um, and where else? Can't remember. I was a salesman in Elfie Ryan's carpet shop in about 17. Carpet shop? Yeah, down in Abbey Street. Uh, it's now where the, the chemist is down in Abbey Street. Oh, yeah. Um, but no money, little or no money. Just had to, had to make do with, with what yeah, you had. Yeah, and I think had. I'd get back whatever if I was getting... Again, I'm a bit vague about the figures, but if I was getting two pounds for working in the week, I'd get five shillings or seven and six back for my mother. Half a crown went on the Friday night. Yeah. Uh, and another half a crown went on a few pints. Mm -hmm. And um, so Sunday night we'd go down and we'd wait down to Petty Cans and we wouldn't have the money to get in. So we'd wait until the dance was nearly over and Sean Mahan or Packy Vaughan would be at the door. And they'd let us in for the last half an hour of the dance. And you wouldn't have to pay? No. No. So you just, well, I suppose you just, you, it's like you said earlier, every, it's, there was no keeping up with the Joneses because everybody was the no, Joneses. You, so, you know. You kind of made the best of what, what you had. You know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, so obviously then you're, you're kind of 60s, 70s and you're, you're going to discos and stuff. Was that when you met, when you met Man? Um, I met your mother in, in, in uh, June of 1969. I had 
seen her, I think, once or twice before. She worked in a chapel down in Parnell Street. Yeah. Uh, Malone's had a kind of a small supermarket. It's where the, the furniture store is there now. And um, he, they, they, they opened a chip alongside it. And I must have gone in for chips and she was behind the counter. And I thought she was beautiful looking. Mm. She's a great figure. Big brown eyes. Big brown eyes, yeah. And the whole lot. And that was my first sighting of her. And then, I don't know, sometime after, I don't know, was it weeks after? It was a couple of months after. I was walking down Parnell Street on the way home with a good friend of mine, Peter Sheldon, who has since passed on. Mm -hmm. And uh, your mother was coming up against me and we saluted. If, if, to the best of my memory, I think we saluted. And I'd walked about another 10 years with Peter and I said to Peter, go back and tell that when I went to see her. Oh, so you got him to go back to her? So I got him to go back to her. And what she obviously, she said yes. And she said, I, I'm telling him I'm meeting below on the key, right? That same day? The river, the river key. Uh, down that that same evening and uh, so I took off from there that was June I think it was a, was it the 5th of June something like that uh, and um, so yeah she, she had just had she just moved to Ennis because they they had moved from um, Berry Cotton yeah to Summer Hill wasn't it I, I, I don't know she she didn't know exactly no but um, they had moved from Berry Cotton to, to Summerhill. Granda was still in, in uh, the, the lighthouse in Belly Cotton, but the family had moved. Yeah. I think maybe about six months before that. Uh, and your mother would know all about that now. Um, so you started dating? Kind so of we started like... dating then, and uh, we were, we got engaged two years after in June 71, and we got married on the 15th of July, so it's Sweden's there. Was two years a long period for then? Um, no. no. No, it wouldn't. It wouldn't have been. Um, in fact, I'd say probably, I'd say it was an, an average time. An average, yeah. an average uh, time span. Um, so we got married in yeah, July, July 72. Um, your mother was working in general development, and I... I had got a job. I had in nineteen seventy. I got a job in SVS in Shannon. I was there for mm -hmm. about a year and a half, and then I got a job in in a place called Shannon Lapidary, which was the nicest job I ever worked in. But I can tell you about that later on, a bit later on. Um, so she she was working in, in Shannon Shannon Development. Uh, we got a house in Shannon in nineteen seventy two, and we lived there for a year. But I, we were commuting. I think we only spent a couple of weekends in uh, in Shannon. In Shannon, uh, we were we were commuting. No car, no that time. We had, yeah, uh, up and down with, with a bus. And um, then Clancy Park was being built. And That's right. You so Trevor was born in seventy. Trevor was born in seventy four. So September seventy four. So he was born in September seventy four. So you were married. So he was your firstborn son. So you became a father. So how how did that feel when you became when when your first when your first son was born? Well, I suppose it's it's hard for me to it's difficult for me to remember exactly how I felt. Yeah, um, it, there was nothing. Um, it was if my thinking is that it wasn't such a big event. I mean, it, it was yeah. an event in my life, but I mean, there was a lot of children being born mm. 
uh, around the place. Uh, most of the people that moved into Clancy Park were young couples who had maybe one child or no child or two children or whatever, whatever the case may be. And yeah, it was it was it was exciting uh, in a way. And I can remember I didn't have a car, and your mother went into labour, and I went over to my to my father. He'd a, he'd a, a car from work, an estate uh, kind of a car, um, an estate model car, and he drove drove us out to uh, with my mother uh, and your mother uh, out to Carcara. I think about six o'clock in the morning and half six in the morning, or something like something like that. And at that time, there was no such thing as uh, there would be father going in to see the yeah, doctor. Yeah, it was. Yeah. And um, because I remember going down into the delivery room um, with my mother and your mother, and the nurse said to me to stay outside for a while, which I did. And then she called me in and she said, You're five minutes now, and uh, go up to the waiting room. And that was that. And. The one thing I can remember about that is I was over the waiting room. It was about quarter to ten to nine in the morning. Um, whatever area was on was on, and the nurse came up to me and she said, uh, "Congratulations, you um, you have a, a son." And I think Trevor was six ten. He's weight, mm. but uh, so I said. So can can I go down? She said, No, you have to you have to wait another ten or fifteen minutes now and I'll call you again. And I sat down and I was delighted naturally. And on the radio came a song called I Was Born with a Smile on My Face. Um by a, a woman singer called Lindsay DePaul. And I always remember that. Um and people my age and maybe even younger would remember there was a big hit in England at that time. So that's the story of Trevor being born. And then, so you, so you were in Shannon, but but like I said, Clancy Park was being built. So you moved into Clancy Park then in the eighties, because no, I, I in, in, in the in the seventies, oh, yeah. Because wasn't I? I no, was born in eighty two. You were born in eighty two. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, we were in Clancy Park. Let's say late seventy three. We moved. Oh up yeah. From oh okay. So you were actually there then. Quite. I thought you were only there a few years. So you were there no. up to like fifth. Well, let's say. No. If I was born in eighty two, I was there. I think for a year, wasn't I? You were there for the guts of a year. Yeah. So that's so you were there a good twelve, thirteen years. Yeah, we, we, we were there. Yeah, no, we were there about nine years, I think. Um, so I, I, I was working in SBS, and then I got that job in in Shannon Lepidry, which was cutting and polishing. Uh, oh yeah, precious stones. Mm. Um, it was a bit like the diamond factory in the one in Hamilton. So yeah, I had a. Um, I didn't have difficulty picking up uh, the job, and uh, it was, uh, I just loved it. Uh, I'd never look at the clock. I became a supervisor there. Mm. Um, there was two supervisors, myself and a, a Limerick guy, uh, John Connolly. And we were cutting the polishing sapphires, rubies, all the precious stones. So you, you take it from its infancy when it was just a bit of a rock, or like a, whatever, a rough, rough piece of rock and then you shape it, then you polish it, cut it and polish it. And um, so I went walking there thinking, I'm, just, I'm trying to think, was it before or after I was married? I can't remember now, but it was early enough anyway. And in 1976, yeah. that closed. Um, the company was owned, owned by a, a, a count, a blue blood, blood count called John Searstuff. 
um, and it was managed by a, a Frenchman called uh, Raymond Neftoul. We couldn't get the raw material in, in because of um, the apartheid in South Africa, that's where all the raw material was going. And um, so they closed it down and they moved to Arkansas, they moved to America, where they could get different kind of synthetic uh, diamonds. So they moved, now, moved countries? Yeah. And uh, I was out of work for the first time ever in my life, which your mother was still working in uh, Shannon Development. Mm. And um, so, the f- for about five or six months, I was out of work. And then your mother had been secretary to a man called Des Nelson in in Shannon Diamond. Uh, sorry, in Shannon Development. Um, during a period of time, and he had joined National Manpower, and he met her one day. This is my recollection, though, your mother might have heard. Yeah. And he met her one day, and he asked her what I was doing, and she said it was all the work, and he said that there was a, a course starting in, in Douglas and Cork, in Enco, a chemical operators course starting, and there was a chemical company coming to Kilcastle and blah, blah, blah. And my first... My first reaction to it was, no, I'm not going down to Cork for six months training. But eventually I did. Oh, it was six months? Six there. months, yeah. So this was for Syntex then? This was for Syntex, but the name Syntex wasn't even mentioned at that time. No. Uh, the plant was being built out, right, I think, just in its infancy. So you went to Cork then, to Douglas, to do the course. How, how did you find that? Yeah, um, I found it difficult at the start because um, it was a strange... Experience living in another house with uh, two guys from Ballyvormy who spoke Irish all the time, and mm. the landlady wasn't wasn't that nice. But um, I kind of I liked the course in in that uh, there was a mock chemical plant uh, where we only used water as the substance for transferring and boiling and um, and and all that. That kind of thing that happens uh, in a chemical. It was, it was a mock-up. Um, I travelled home every weekend because I was in the midst of playing soccer with Lifford that time. Oh yeah. And we were winning a lot, and they would pay for my transfer every weekend, and uh, I would pocket some of it and tom up and down. But there was a guy Jerry Woods uh, who lives in the turnpike. He was there. There was eight eight guys from Minnes and twelve guys from Cork on the course. Mm-hmm. Uh, towards the end of that course, uh, we had to do an exam. After the exam, we were intervie- interviewed by two personnel guys from Syntex. That was the first interview. That was May of 1976. Mm-hmm. And then there was a second interview over in the technical school. And there was a few thousand, I think, interviewed for that. So I was one of 20 that got the initial... Uh, uh, the, the the, the jobs as chemical process operators in Syntex. Syntex opened and we started work on the 11th of October 1976 and uh, I spent a little over 30 years there. A great company to work for. Uh, Syntex became Roche in the mid-90s. It's a long time, 30 years. It's a long time, yeah. Uh, but the guys, that, there's four, five of the guys that started with me um, finished their time there. Um, or more or less their time there, they, they did nearly 40 years. So that was 1976. Uh, we moved to Yorba in 1982. Mm-hmm. You were born on a Friday. 
over in the county hospital um, a Friday evening. Um, I the nurse said to me, "Look, you might as well go. I had called over, and I called over about half five, and um, the nurse said to me, "You might you might as well go home because uh, this baby wanted to be here for another few hours." So I went down to the Petty Quins for a pint, and I had about half a pint drink when a car came to come back over to the hospital. So you were born when I got over. Oh, I was born. Yeah, that was a Friday night. So I was born. Oh, so was it Friday. night time I was born? The evening time. You were born, I think, at about quarter to seven. The other one's half six, quarter to seven. I'd only left the hospital an hour previously. Um, and what's your memories of, of me being born? Uh, any standout kind of... Like with, with Trevor, the song came on. Yeah. Anything like that? Would you... Uh, part of the reason you're called Timothy... Uh, there was a, a performer called Tiny Tim. He was actually a big guy. Yeah. He used to play ukulele. ukulele. And um, he, uh, you were a very small baby. I don't remember what weight you were. I think you were probably about 6'2", but you were a very skinny baby. Mm. So I left the hospital that night about 8 or half 8, and I called up to my mother, and the two of us went down to Quinn's, and we had a few drinks in celebration in the lounge in Queens and uh, I dropped an hour home uh, about half ten and I went back down to Queens and I went from there to the club uh, well the men's only club and um, I think it was the last night the club was in operation there's down bottles there and I can't I think the odd fellas is the name of the club and um so myself and a couple of more guys, we stayed until uh, oh, it was well late in the, in the morning, well into the morning, it was about five o'clock. Came back up home and at about half ten or eleven o'clock, Marie called. She was throwing stones up at the window. You had been moved to St. Camillus's. Yeah, because I was... Because you were, you were a journalist. Yeah. So I got into uh, St. Camillus's, I'd say, if I'd have been begged that morning, I'd have been in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> but... Uh, you came out of that, obviously, and, and um, I think you spent about a week in St. Camillus's. Mm. Um, and you were christened on an Easter Sunday night, uh, Saturday night, in the Pro-Cathedral. Um, and pomp and circumstance, you were christened by the bishop. Oh, was I? I didn't you know were, that yeah. yeah. Um on an, an Easter Saturday night. Yeah. That's because it was so obviously because it was Easter. It was Easter, and I, I think there was another baby christened as well. Um, but we were up in the altar for the whole ceremony, sitting down or whatever. You know the the midwife. Um, I'm sure there was plenty of midwives when I was born, but one particular midwife, yeah. when I worked in Brown Thomas in Limerick, yeah, she was there was a woman in buying skincare off me or whatever, and she said to me, she said, I I I birthed you I brought you into, into the world yes yeah. did you she, it, she said it's Timmy is it yeah, yeah. she was looking at my name badge the Brown Thomas name badge and she said she, she still remembers the day I was born yeah, and she okay, said I was yeah. so small then and she couldn't believe the height of me but it actually turns out that yeah. she's the mother of Michael, Michael Donnellan yeah. who's on yeah. the podcast so yeah and I would know Michael, Michael Donnellan's father Michael uh, Michael played soccer very good, very good goalkeeper yeah. uh, very interesting guy great man to tell stories he walks he walks around the town. I haven't seen him actually in the last year or so, but he walks around the town with his dog, and his dog nearly talked you. 
Very oh, I know, yeah. Very funny guy. Yeah. Very funny guy. So I was actually the smallest born, but I'm probably the tallest of all the... Bo- well, oh, yeah, Dara, yeah. sure, look yeah. at Dara. Dara's yeah. towering above me. So that was 1982. Uh, we moved to Ellen Park. I think you, you were about nine months or no more than a year. We, we moved to 78 Ellen yeah. Park, the end house, uh, in 82. And sure, look at... It was a big, big move for us. Uh, big mortgage that time. Mm. Um, money was pretty okay in Syntex. And um, somewhere along in the mid 80s, I started doing a four cycle shift, which meant that I was, I worked two 12 hour days, two 12 hour nights, and I was off for four days. So I could be working, I was working something like five weekends in eight. And so I got drinking, you know. I, like my, my days off could be Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday and I'd mm. go for a few pints or whatever. And I suppose that that comes to the to the to the part of, of my addiction. And uh I'd say I started to probably get in trouble with drink probably early to mid eighties and not fully realising I was in trouble with it. Mm. Um, Sometimes, you know, I'd, I'd go out and I'd just have a few pints. Um, other times, I'd have more than a few pints. And obviously that caused um, consternation or rows with, with your mother who didn't understand it and it'd be coming home late and all that, that kind of a scene. And that led to probably a lot of animosity um, with your mother in particular and she gave me a few warnings as... As wives did that time, you know, and I'd say, yeah. look, I'm not as bad as your men that I was drinking with, or I'm not as bad as him, and I'm, someone is better than me, or they're a better father, or whatever. And I was conscious of, of, not conscious of the amount that I was drinking, but maybe I was conscious of, of some of the rows that was uh, causing. Yeah. Not every week or every day or anything like that, but frequent, they were becoming more frequent. And my 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 capacity, uh, or my talents for drink got better. Mm. Uh, I don't say that in any kind of a boastful way. I'd have preferred it if it was different. So um, in nineteen eighty nine, uh, I went to a treatment centre in Care in County Tipperary. Against my will, but your mother had to go to my head, and I—I I don't say that in any blaming way. Uh, my my life needed to be sorted out, and she did something about um, about my drinking, uh, in that she detached as mm-hmm. best she could. So I went to I went to a treatment centre in Ashley in um, nineteen August nineteen eighty nine. It was a bank holiday Monday, and I thought, Jesus, my life is over. So I did the month there. Um, your mother came down every Wednesday. The company. I remember going down with her. A couple the of company's times. Syntex had a taxi. Yeah. Um, company taxi. So they'd bring her, bring her up and down on, on, on the Wednesdays. So that started a kind of a, a new going on an era, an era in my life. Was that difficult? Uh, it was difficult. My, my, my pride wouldn't wouldn't allow me to to, to say that I was an alcoholic, um, and it was explained to me then in 
I sure read it. You know, the alcoholic isn't the, isn't always the guy that goes around with the brown bag yeah. drinking in car parks and falling mm. around the place because I was able to hold drink, I was able to work. We, we weren't uh, shot, you know, I never left anybody shot the money. We were able to go on holidays, I had yeah. a nice car, I had all the trappings of a person that was that had it together. Uh, but I learned in Ashari that there's such a thing uh, as a functioning alcoholic. Mm. So I remember talking to my constable, Sean, who was an ex-priest, uh, lovely, a real gentleman, talking to him uh, on one of the walks around Ashari one day. And I told him about the, the problem I had with admitting I was an alcoholic when I was keeping an awful lot of balls in the air. And he was telling me then about the functional alcoholic. And he said, look, why don't you leave the word alcoholic out and just say a problem drinker? Yeah. That you have problems with your, you know, your marriage. Uh, maybe, he's, you know, it can be, it can be your uh, uh, marriage, your health, um, your finances, um, your relationships with, with other people when you drink. And I didn't even like that because, you know, I was, I had a lot of friends and for most, you know, most of them we got on fine. I had a few close friends. So I tried to accept that my life would be different um, without drink, but uh, easier said than done. And when I came out of Ashari, um, I started going to AA meetings. And you were st- completely sober then? Yeah, I, I, hadn't, I hadn't drank. Uh, but was missing missing the pub scene and the crack and, 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 and you know, the conversations. And, you know, the, like Queens was like a second home to me, you know. And it was, a, it was such a huge culture then as well. Like it was people, a big culture. And I suppose that, the, 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 my ego, my ego then, you know, would click in and say, Jesus Christ almighty, should look at, I'm not that bad. Mm. This is all happened uh, in the months after. I remember the first Chris, Christmas. Um, and I, I'm sure I was probably like, I must have been a bit of an antichrist at times to live with, you know. Um, and I lasted seven months before I went back drinking. And at that time, uh, we separated after that. Um, and I drank for maybe five or six months. I went to the World Cup in 1990, mm-hmm. uh, in the middle of that. And it wasn't so much the amount that I drank in, it was the effect it, ha- it had on me. Um, I remember one of the councillors saying in a session uh, in Ashari that uh, there would have been about 10 or 12 people in, in that session. Guys like me and a couple of women that, that were in for treatment. I remember a woman counsellor saying, I can tell you something. She said, if if when you do go over here, if you ever drink again, you'll never drink comfortably. Mm. And Which is what? true. That, that, that came to pass because I, I, had, I, I suppose I had guilt, but I still... I still wanted to keep drinking. I still wanted to maintain some of the old lifestyle because I, I found it too difficult to, to let it go. Uh, so I drank for that period of time. I went to the World Cup. Um, I had been to Germany for the European Championships in '88, and, and that was a spectacular event and, uh, and loads of happy memories from, from both, both, both uh, places, both Italy and Germany. But I knew after coming back from the World Cup, I think I drank for about a month, mm. for six weeks. And I just got, there's an old saying in the air, sick of being sick. 
and at this stage we were both living apart and your mother didn't really want to know me and I, I don't I wouldn't blame her for that and um, I went back to uh, and I went back to Ashley every Monday night for three months to a recovery group so there's, there were six guys in it like me who had drank after treatment two of those guys are, are, are dead now because they, they, they didn't manage unfortunately to stay sober and, uh, and I was fortunate enough to stay sober with the help from well, my family first of all, uh, my brothers and sisters, a couple of my friends, and and work. Mm. Work were very uh, helpful to, to me in letting me off for those Monday nights when I'd be on shift. I, I you know they'd, they'd give me the time off to get to Ashley and back, and that kind of thing. So, so that brings me up to about. 90, well, I suppose up to kind of the 90s. 91, 92. Didn't you and Mam reconcile then? And then you got back together yeah, and we yeah, moved out to Bally Bay? Yeah, counselling, yeah. We went to counselling and I'd go home for weekends um, for a period of maybe three or four months, I think. I'd be at home just for the weekend. I was in the flat. You'll remember coming to the flat. On the Mill Road, yeah. Yeah, Mill Road. Above the nice flat, for yeah. Got Smurfies flats. Yeah. And I started going to uh, regular meetings and I started to become more accepting of yeah, my life, life away from drink wasn't as difficult as I thought it might be mm. you know um, so I, need, I needed help I needed I needed as somebody I heard the guy saying one time that you know this AA crack is, is, is his brainwashing you know and I heard another guy replying to him say well do you need your brain washed a little bit like yeah exactly you know yeah and so, as well, like, Stradara was born. So, yeah, Dara... So, there was... Dara, like, we... we Dara was born, and I think Dara was... I see, about nine or ten months when we moved from Ellen Park. We saw Ellen Park. about that, I think, yeah. Really big. Um, and uh, Dara was born on a... on a, a dirty Tuesday evening in the University uh, Hospital in Galway. Mm. And uh, I, I'm trying to think now. Why do we? Why do we call him Della? I, I, I just. Uh, I don't know. I think me. it was just. I remember a man thinking up of names. I know Thomas right. was obviously after Granda because he had just well, passed actually, away. Yeah, your mother wanted to call him Thomas because he Della was born um, about roughly a month after my father died. Yeah, my father died on the fourteenth of February. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, February, which is coming up soon, and. Uh, she wanted to call in Thomas. And I had a thing about Della. There was some, it won't come back to me why I liked the name Della. So Della was christened Della Thomas. Yeah. So nearly 10 years after, he was christened on an Easter Sunday night. An Easter Saturday night. So he was christened on in Easter Saturday as well? Yeah. I didn't know that. By the same bishop. Was he? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't I mean, know that. I mean, more pomp and circumstance. God, I didn't know that now at all. So, um... Um, so that was 70, oh no, sorry, 92, and um, uh, we were in Ballybeg, Ballybeg in a lovely bungalow. So we were all, and so we were, I mean, I was kind of coming into a teenager, Dara was just born, Trevor was in Birmingham, Trevor was in Birmingham, yeah. doing the chef, and yeah, yeah, um, and then Stephen came along in 92. 
No, Stephen came along in, in, in 93. Three. 17th of October, the day after your mother's birthday in 93. That's right, uh, yeah. Dara had, or uh, Trevor had come back from Birmingham and he'd gone into the Navy. I'm not yeah. sure the year, I think that might have been 94, 95-ish. Um, so life went on. Um, I did a stint, I did about nine years with the Samaritans. And... Mm. Um, um, did a, a couple of weekend courses and then went into the Samaritans and that really I thought I knew about life until I went into the Samaritans yeah. and um, like Samaritans people that ring Samaritans are people like me you anybody ordinary people who have gone through tough times in their lives um, some people think that it's only people who are suicidal that ring the Samaritans but that's not the case 90 the statistics would say something like 90 or 95% of people are just ordinary people who are not suicidal Mm. but they can't cope with whatever is going on in their life especially now well, t- today I said there's probably more need for Samaritan people uh, around today than, than ever but yeah. that really opened my eyes to the hurt and pain that goes on in people's lives mm-hmm. and I'd say there wasn't a I do three hour sessions and I do an overnight uh, from 8 to late uh, once a month and I, I really opened my eyes as I said and, and it, it uh, it helped me to just be grateful for what I have in my yeah. life, you know. And you were you were you were still off the alcohol then, obviously, because you're I'm how many years off. off it now? Thirty, uh, 30 years last October. Yeah, first of October is my sober date. Thirty mm. years, you know. I can't believe it's. Thanks be to God, I don't have any compulsion to 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 drink. I'm lucky in that way because I'm, you know, I'm a fairly impulsive person anyway. You know, so if I thought of uh, a pint come into my my head, I'd be gone. Yeah, exactly. But I, I, you know, I've made a life without it and I've been very fortunate in that way. And, you know, your mother, uh, as I said, my brothers and sisters, my brother-in-law, Seamus, you know, uh, they were a big help to me. Mm. Big help to me, you know. Um, and, you know, uh, people, people would say, you deserve a clap in the back and, you know, I'd say, well, a kick up the ass, I probably deserve more yeah. than anything. Yeah, well... And so, well, Stephen came so along Stephen, and he was, Stephen, he was the baby. Stephen was, he was the baby. The last one. And he was, I was convinced that Stephen would be a girl. Yeah. And he was born on a, a frosty Sunday morning. Yeah, I remember that. In, in, in the university in, in Galway, the university hospital in Galway. And um, Stephen is called after your mother's uncle, Stephen. That's Stephen right, yeah. Bennett. And I don't remember what weight he was or anything like that, but uh, when when he was being delivered by the, the surgeon, the obstetrician, um, his back to me was to me when he came out. Yeah. And he, the, 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 the obstetrician said to me, so how many sons of you? And I said, three. And he said, no, you have a fourth for the village team. Oh, the fourth. I remember that. Yeah. So there was there was four four boys then. Yeah. So um so like kind of the years in Ballybeg and stuff and 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 the nineties and that, <coughs> and obviously you had come off alcohol and and things like that and I was kind of grown into a man. The boys yeah. were kind of grown older and stuff and I suppose kind of a, a big kind of landmark in my life would be coming out as a gay man. Yeah. So I know that kind of didn't really happen in Ballybeg years, but like, how did you how did you find that? say that one of your sons was coming out as a gay man like how did you well I I suppose 
I, I don't know at around what time I suspected that you might be gay. Um, I guess maybe it was around when you were 12 or 13. I'm not, I'm not quite sure now. Maybe a little bit older. Um, you you know, you did, the, you did the speech and drama with yeah. uh, loads I don't know who. You were very good on stage. I remember seeing you doing something in the yard I can't remember what the name of it was. Um, you weren't sporty. Mm. No, not all people. Uh, that are oh yeah, I know. Yeah. Gay. yeah, but you know, whereas Trevor, Dara, and Stephen always had a football or a golf club or mm. a hurley or whatever it was, you weren't kind of into that. Mm. And I remember your mother asking me to bring you up to the golf links one summer's day uh, to get you get you out of our hair. And uh, we went up to the golf club and we had only three holes played. And you said to me, "Is there many more many many more holes left in that dead?" And I said to me, "We've only three shagging holes played." So you weren't into that, mm. you know, but... So then, when you moved to Cork, I think, when you moved to college in Cork, um, you were living... There was a woman, a girl... Denise, yeah. Was that Denise? Was it? I think it was Denise, was living yeah. with you. In the house in Cork, I can't... Was it in... It was Denise, Wilson's it was somewhere. Denise, yeah. Yeah. I think, I think and it was, anyway. So when you, when you did eventually come out to me, I wasn't... I wasn't really surprised. Mm. Um, and you, I think you, you said to me recently that was in Belly Big when you told me. And I, I, I thought it was in Cork. But anyway, you told me. Belly Big. Yeah. yeah. So I wasn't, I wasn't really surprised. And uh, I had asked you who you had told. Now, I can't remember. I, I, don't, I said, had you, had you said anything to Trevor? Because you'd been living with Trevor for a while in Cork, hadn't you? I had been, yeah. Travel and Jill. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I wasn't surprised. I think your mother was more surprised than me. Mm. Um, and. But the fact that you were gay and I three sons who were heterosexual didn't really mean, mean anything, anything um, serious to me except. Yeah. I remember saying to you. Uh, thanks for telling me and uh, I said well Timmy I'd be a bit more worried about you than I would be about the three lads and you asked me why mm. and I said look at, I won't love you any less than I do the other three lads but I, I'd have been thinking about AIDS that time I know and things yeah, like that I know you know which none of us really know a hell of a lot about I know. which is obviously you know which is obviously the gay community uh, so that's my memory of that time and the world had changed so much then anyway, but I, that there is, I suppose, that worry that... Well, it had. I, I, I remember another know. thing I said to you, actually, and that's just coming to me now. I remember saying to you, I'd, I'd prefer if you were telling me you were heterosexual, but I won't love you any less than I do, do, did the other three lads. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Now, um, I think, if my memory serves me right, I think... I might have started the conversation with you rather than you telling me. I think you said it to me, yeah. It's amazing what you yeah. forget. But that's uh, just coming back to me now that I said something like, look at me, I want to ask you something and I'll apologise in advance if I insult you. So I wasn't sure. Yeah. Right, I think that's the way it happened. Yeah, it was, yeah. Um, and then, um, you know, we obviously we, we moved out of Bellybeg and... 
I no, we, we, well, we, I moved out of Ballybag. Sorry, you moved out of Ballybag. So yeah. things, things, we had gone for uh, another lot of counselling because yeah. things were, I suppose things weren't great with the two of us. I, I would always say that in a general, in, in an overall sense that my drinking, my drinking years uh, would have caused 70, 75% of the problems we had in our marriage. But mm. there weren't, you know, my drinking wasn't totally the problems we had. We had relationships, problem, problems or whatever. And I'm not going to go into that too much now, but... So we separated again. I left the house and I, I rented a house over in... Um, I rented a flat first uh, in Bindle Street. Um, and that was... Without a doubt, that was the most painful time in my life, and I'm sure in your mother's life. And I was, I was very worried about what effect it would have on Ollie mm. naturally. Uh, Trevor, I knew I could kind of talk to her about, talk to her about it. Uh, it was different with the two lads, and I think maybe Dara more than Stephen. But I always remember that last day that I left the house it was so painful it was unbelievable and even though I've dealt with it since uh, it's still it's probably my it would be I put it on as my, my worst mm. my worst period in my life with all the with all the guns on is that time. because you knew that it was it was completely well fine. I knew it was it um, I knew there was no going back um, your mother was very hurt I was hurt in a different way. Um, and, you know, people have said to me, Jesus, it's, it's a wonder you didn't drink then, you know. And I had so much in my head yeah. at the time that I didn't even have time to think, think a drink. Mm. Uh, thanks for the God, you know. I'm not anti-drink, you know. Anyone that knows me knows. Oh, I'm God, not, yeah. I'm not anti-drink. I still enjoy going into pubs, having an old sing-song, a family sing-song, and yeah. that time down through the years. And... and uh, thanks for the God, I have the freedom to, to, to go when I want to go. And sometimes I'm one of the last ones out of the sing song. Whatever. Yeah, exactly. And we're a sociable family. So it's well, we're a very close family. Uh, the Murphys are very close. Uh, we're very close. Thanks for the God, it hasn't, my drinking hasn't affected you too much. Um, you know, I always said as a friend of mine, Tony, Tony Hesse in Dublin, and he separated around the same time as me. And Tony is saying that the, 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 the breakup of a marriage, the, the scale goes very deep. And it does, you know. And family life is never the same again. Even no. though, thanks be to God, you know, your mother and myself get on, get on well. Um, and I think we were fortunate in that we could put the 4E first. Before, first yeah. Yeah, before, before the two of us. Because I've seen... Uh, the opposite of what's mm. you know, and I'm not judging anybody who's saying that, mm. you know. And um, so you're now grandfather and you're in a new relationship, yeah. Uh, with Mary, Mary, yeah, Mary. Um, I want to describe Mary. Mary's uh, my own version of uh, Nigella Larson, she's a brilliant cook, she's a good, kind person. Um, I met her nearly 15 years ago. She looks like Joanna Lumley. 
Yeah, she left. She doesn't she believe it, but she is, yeah. and loads, uh, plenty of people. Yeah, I know there's, there's, yeah, there's a resemblance there, all right. Yeah, no doubt about it. But she's a good person, and uh, she's a good partner. And uh, thanks for the God, she's friendly with men. Uh, both, both, both of them are friendly with each other, and that's a big plus. Yeah, maybe a plus I don't deserve. I don't know, but um, so you know, we've a simple, straightforward enough life. Um, I'm very close with Louise, her daughter, who's mm. uh, the blonde bombshell, who, who's in Italy. Um, and uh, I have a good crack with Louise. She's a very intelligent girl and I have great conversations with her. So I'm very fortunate that, you know, my life is fairly straightforward now. I have a, I have a good life. Um, I have my worries, I have my ups and downs, you know, when I got the cancer. Yeah. Uh, it really brings it home to you. I'm at the moment. I'm reading Keenan Shanley's book, and and it's bringing back a lot of memories to me. Uh, very interesting read. Very sad what has happened to Holland. Yeah. Thanks for I got it. You know, if the clear got in in um, over five years ago now, but I'm still I'm still uh, being monitored to a certain extent. To, uh, extent uh, I go for blood samples and things mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Um. One of the highlights of my life, obviously, is becoming a grandfather, you know, yeah. with Amelia. Um, going down to see her in Cork. And now she's grown up to be a lovely, beautiful girl. Uh, and then Adam coming along. And, uh, you know, his boisterousness um, reminds me a small bit of myself when I was young. Uh, yeah, he's a real Mur- he's a real Murphy boy, isn't he? Yeah, and he's and obviously he's into sport big time. And uh, Amelia, look at <laughs> Amelia is 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 a clone of Emma. She's a mm-hmm. clone of her mother. Uh, the tone of her voice, her diction, uh, her manners, and uh, and all that kind Everything. of thing. Her yeah. demeanor and looks wiser. All you have to do is look at the two of them. Yeah, and Dylan is is. I don't know where he found him. <laughs> well, he's, yeah, but he's he's very like his mother. There's no Murphy in Dylan and, and, and Amelia, for sure. I see no. bits I see bits of bits of Murphy and Dylan. I don't know, maybe bits of his personality. I don't know. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't know. He's just, he's, 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 a, he's, a, he's a wild cracker, like, so you don't know. Yeah. I think he's kind of a, a mix, mix of both, maybe. Yeah. Do you know? Um, so... Um, I'm retired now, fourteen years. Yeah, this will be my fifteenth year. I've managed financially. You know, many myself have managed to go to Italy most years for a holiday, missed the Nov and account of COVID and things like that. But you know, to me, um, I've been very fortunate. I'm probably repeating myself now, but I've been very fortunate with the people I've met in my life. Most of the people I've met in my life have been good, honest people. Um, I haven't met, I don't think I've met anybody that really has hurt me. Mm. Uh, I've been in painful and hurtful situations, but I, I'm i fortunate in the, that the people that, that have been around me um, for nearly all of my life have been good people, you know, and people that I'm very close to. Um, if... If God was to come for me in the morning, if there is a God there, 
Uh, I don't think I'd have, I'd have too many complaints. No. Well, that's good. I, I hopefully they live in a good bit longer. Yeah. But uh, and of course, the latest addition in the 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 family are our two beautiful dogs. Yeah. Tata and Luca, and they bring so much joy into our lives. Um, it's incredible. Um, I'm sure some of the lads might be laughing at this now, thinking of me being close to, to dogs, but um, these are more than dogs now. Mm. Um, and, you know, on a daily basis, the, the, the makers laugh. Obviously, I bring them for walks and things like that. And uh, they're just, we're so close to them, and they're so affectionate, and they're so funny, that it's, it's a huge part of our daily life mm. now. And even since COVID, it's even better. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They've been so, great company during COVID, God, if you didn't have them. Yeah, yeah. and the other thing I want to say before we finish, because it's maybe getting a, a bit long-winded now, but uh, I'm proud of the Foley. I'm proud of what you've done with your lives. Mm. You know, Trevor, going into the Navy, you know, in, 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 um, in the airport police, and he's a good father to his three kids, and I'm sure he's a good husband to, to, to Emma, and she's a good wife to him. Uh, you, you know, which will your journey in life. Mm. Um, I'm sure being gay had, had its had its difficulties. Um, I'm sure you, you you had your torment about where you are, where you're not gay. Um, but what you've done as regards, you know, you you're acting, you're modelling, you're a get up and go person, and, mm. and I admire you greatly for that. And Dara, right, he did a, he did a stint in the navy. It didn't suit him, but thanks be to God. You know, he's with he's with um he's with a lovely girl in, in, in Shannon and uh he's a good solid job. Hopefully it'll continue that way. And he's very good at the golf. Um Stephen moving to Canada was a wrench for all of us, I think. Yeah, especially we haven't and seen him. He, yeah, he, he's the baby in the, he's the baby in the family, obviously. And he's with a lovely girl, Natasha. And we got great news on it this morning. But he's got yeah, he's resident, yeah. You know, so he's, he's resident now, so he's nobody's about travelling to and from Ireland or whatever. Thank God. So, as I said, I have no qualms, really. Would I change things? I'd have changed some of the things, obviously. Um, you know, I often say, and Mary often says it as well, you know, nobody got, nobody got married to get separated. Nobody. Yeah, exactly. You know, nobody went up the aisle thinking they yeah. could be separated at yeah. some stage, you know. yeah. So it sounds like it's all kind of come well full circle. Full circle. Yeah. 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 But again, and I know it might sound like a palace, you know, Liam, uh, Marie, uh, John, Ellen and Deirdre, you know, we're very close mm. and we're a good support for each other when it's needed. Yeah. When it's needed. Yeah. Know? And that's that's very important. And it's tough times to live everybody now, particularly with Liam. And hopefully, please God, he'll, he'll come out the other side of it. Yeah, you know? hopefully. And hopefully things will get better in the world and everything. Yeah. that will come along with us. Right, so we leave it there. Um, but thank you for coming on. And it's actually been lovely being able to sit down and talk to you about your life. We could sit here for another yeah. two hours. Well, that's the most we Because so much. My father would never tell one story but he'd have to tell five. Yeah, but story. also it's very hard to get a life of 70 years into an hour. Yeah. You know, I mean, I might have had guests 
previous guests who are in their 20s yeah, so we can kind of get, whereas it's very hard to get a life so I, I could sit here for another two yeah. hours but maybe series two I'll get you back well um, <laughs> mentally I'm 70 or physically I'm 70 mentally I'm about 25 yeah. or 30 and sometimes I act like that but yeah anyway. exactly okay, so well, th- thanks, thanks for asking me I, obviously when you said it to me initially I thought mm, who would want to know about me anyway don't be surprised but really you know it's, a, it's for the archives so the grandchildren too. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right, thanks, Seth. Okay, okay, Tim. Right. What a lovely, lovely opportunity to sit down with my father and talk to him about his life. Now, believe me when I say this, we could have talked another hour and another hour. But like I said in the podcast, it's very, very hard to get the life of a man who's 70, you know, into one hour. Um you know, there's so much there we could have went into a lot more detail in. But, you know, I think wh- why I really wanted him on as well was um, he, he's a great speaker. He's a great way of putting things and saying things. And, you know, it was lovely just to sit down, talk to him, you know, hear his life story. It's a life story that I know, but it's not one that I ever get tired of listening to. Um, so I'm really, really happy that he came on. And you never know, in series two, I might get him back again to go into more detail or, you know, whatever. He's a big character, my father. Um, he's a big, big character. And everyone that knows knows him says that. He's a real talker. Um, he's a real entertainer. He's like the Don of the family. So the six of them, he's the oldest. He's kind of the one that dishes out the advice, but... They're all they're all entertainers in their own way, all my aunts and uncles, um, and I think a lot of my personality I get from him. Um, so yeah, it was lovely, and you know what? It's lovely to have this when he's gone, and and I don't want to sound morbid or anything, but it's lovely to have a recording of his life, and that was one of the main reasons why I wanted to have him on as well. So um, thank you so much for listening to series one. I will be back with series two. I have found series one difficult towards the end because of endless lockdowns. Um, as an interviewer, I like to sit down with my guests and I like to talk to them. So over the phone isn't ideal. However, the interviews I have had over the phone, I've loved, I've absolutely loved them. But um, I'm going to take a break now from series one and then I'm going to come back at series two when lockdown lifts because I already have my first guest for series two. Um, so I'll be recording that as soon as I can actually like get to him <laughs> and sit down and talk to him. So a big massive thank you to everyone that tuned in for series one. I'm completely overwhelmed. I, I didn't expect the amount of people that would actually listen to this podcast, um, the amount of messages that I got from people. And really heartfelt messages as well. Um, that really meant a lot to me. This was just a project for me. At the, I always wanted to do a podcast, but I never went. I never. All I had was a mic. That's literally all I'm recording off is a microphone. Um, but I never knew what to do. And I'm really happy with what has come out of it. And it's only the start. And do you know what? It's a learning curve for me as well. Every all of this is a learning curve for me as well. I have absolutely loved every single interview that I have had on with every single guest over the last 10 episodes. So thank you so much, guys. And I will talk to you all in series two.